Okay. Shalom Aleichem. This is a big, big days over here coming up for us, approaching Erev Rosh Hashanah. Going to try to understand a Mimer Chazal that is that is uh, often quoted maybe try to understand it a, a little bit Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says there are three books that are opened on Rosh Hashanah one book of Tzadikim Gemurim one book of Rishoyim Gemurim and one book of Beinunim the tzaddikim are immediately written in for life. The rishoyim are immediately written in for death. And benunim are tluim ba'omnim. They're hanging and waiting from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. If they merit, they're written in for life. And if they don't merit, they're written for death. The Gemara asks, how do we know that there are these three books? So, the Gemara brings two psukim as a proof for them. And both are going to be, need, to be, uh, need to be understood. The first one is, David Malach says about his enemies, cries out to Hashem and he says... Yimochu misefer hachayim, let them be erased from the book of drink. Ve'im tzadikim al yikasevu, and with the righteous let them not be written in. So the Gemara Darshans, Yimochu misefer, let them be erased from the book. That teaches us that, that, that there's a sefer of Rishoyim, that's the sefer Rishoyim. Yimochu miasefer, that's sefer Rishoyim. The word Chaim, that's Sefer Tzadikim. And Ve'im Tzadikim, Ayika Seivu, that's Sefer Beinanim. I know. It's, it's, right now, we don't really have a way to understand that, right? How in the world do you understand? Yimachum Sefer, let them be erased from the book, as telling you about a book of Rishoyim. And Chaim is telling you the book of, of the living. Seemingly, it's you can't cut that statement in half. You would be let them be erased from the book of living, mm-hmm. right? But being erased from the book of the living seemingly doesn't tell you that there's another book called the dead, the book of the dead, the book of the Rishayim. Mm-hmm. So what is it? So say so, let them be erased from the book. That's talking about the book of Rishayim. That needs to be understood. And uh, Chaim is telling you the book of Tzadikim, and Ve'im Tzadikim al and together with Tzadikim, let them not be written in. That's telling you Beinanim. If a person is written with Tzadikim, who would you think he is? A Tzadik, no? It doesn't, doesn't tell you about a book of Tzadikim? Ve'im Tzadikim al These are all questions hopefully we'll understand. Then the Gemara brings another Pasuk, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, saying... Um, 
ve'im ayin, and if you will not forgive the Jewish people, says Moshe Rabbeinu to Hashem, macheni no misifracha asher kasafta. Erase me now from the book, from your book, which you've written. So macheni no, erase me. That's talking about the Sefer of Rishoyim. That teaches us that there's a Sefer of Rishoyim. Misifracha, from your Sefer, that teaches us that there's a Sefer Tzadikim. And the Sherka Safta teaches us the Sefer Bainim. Again, same questions, going to need to be understood again. Okay. So, essentially, there are three major parts to this to the sugya, we'll see how much we get to. Um, part number one is all the Rishonim ask: How is this meant to be understood? That we are told that tzaddikim are written in for life, Rishonim are written in for death. We see that no matter how righteous someone is, eventually he dies. What happened? That year he wasn't a tzaddik? Mm. He died. He was 109 years old. Huge tzaddik. What are you telling me? That, that year he wasn't a tzaddik? That's, that's why he died? Can't be. That's the crash of all the Roshonim. Take this, from here, there's a very big Yisod. It's probably the main point that we'd like to take away from this from this shear if anything for Shana that's from the Maral Chidusha Agados right here in the spot so he says that um, people have a simplistic view of the world and well, listen the rabbi said the rabbi said that if he's a tzaddik he's written in for, for Chaim so that's it so why is he not alive the rabbi said that he's written for Movis. He's a Russian, he's written for Movis. So why is he alive still? <coughs> so, I was recently, uh, had a good analogy to this. Uh, my brother was in Italy not long ago, and he said, it's unbelievable, the Italians, they're all walking around like chimneys. So they, they finish one cigarette, they pick up another one. You know, so going through packs every day, all of them, right? And yet... He said he Googled, so he figured, like, these guys must be dropping from lung cancer, you know, like flies, right? He Googled their life expectancy in Italy. It's actually longer than life expectancy in America. So what does that mean? Does that mean that these doctors, that they say that smoking causes lung cancer, they're like a bunch of mishigoyim? They don't know what they're talking about, the doctors? There's a... Different what? Different factors. It's different factors. Very good. Okay, so the point is that, listen, in Italy, I don't know, they drink red wine, they, they have a nice climate, they have stress-free lives, they, you know, whatever whatever else. That some are from what? Some albarinos are from right, right, exactly. So if being filled with at least. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. that, that, that simply is itself enough to, to increase the, the level of, of longevity over there, right? So, so what does a doctor mean when he tells you the smoking causes lung cancer? He's not telling you that every single person that smokes is going to get lung cancer. And he's not telling you that every person that doesn't smoke is not going to get lung cancer. Right? What he's telling you is, with all else being equal, smoking will cause lung cancer. 
that, that, that's something you, you can't control your genetics. You can't control your environment. But you can control whether you smoke or not. Right? So don't smoke because it's likely to, significantly more likely to get lung cancer. Chachamim, when they're coming to tell a person about Chaim, about Misa, they're not coming to tell you, hey, by the way, did you know that a person who's 105 years old, you know, he's probably not so healthy anymore, and there's a chance that he's not going to live out this year, right? You don't need, you don't need a Chacham to tell you that. that. Anybody understands that, right? And somebody, and you have a Russian who's 30 years old, and he's healthy, and he, uh, he's got great family history. Uh, he's probably, uh, he's, he, he's got a lot of life in him still, right? So the moral explains that the Chacham are coming to tell you the, the thing that's above all that. It means to say, we live in a complicated world where there is a physical body that's a receptacle to a neshama. And the life that a person has is the combination of the two. In fact, there's a third factor called mazel. Whether this person was kind of spiritually designed to live a long, healthy life or a short, sickly life. And different people have, have different mazel. So it really, a person's longevity is the combination of three factors. His physical, chronological condition, age, health, his mazel, that's number two. And number three, the level to which his neshama is connected to the makor Chaim, to the source of life, to Hashem. I did it from down to up. <coughs> did it from the most physical to more spiritual to the most spiritual. Body is the most physical. Right. Mazel is one level above that. And then it says, Yisrael ain't lam mazel. Yisrael don't have mazel. What, what that means, Ramchal, Maral, everybody says that it's Muchach from the Gemara and Shabbos itself that says that it's obvious that we do have a mazel. It's just the point is that our merit can trump the mazel sometimes, but not always. What I mean to say is that even if someone has a really strong connection to God, but the mazel dictates this person is going to be able to So the point is, right, so the point is that a person's life is going to be the equation of, you take his physical health, his mazel, and the amount of life force that's, you know, coming down the pipeline from high up, from Hashem, who is the source of life, coming down into him, Right? <laughs> And all three of those is going to really tell you whether the person is going to be alive or not at the end of the year. Right? Meaning, if I have a lot of life energy coming down, even if a person's body is pretty sickly, but there's so much life coming down from Hashem, he's probably going to, he's probably going to manage to get by. Right? Whereas, if, if the other way around, if, if that same person who's kind of not such a strong body, not such a great muscle, and he doesn't have that connection upstairs, and he's got just a trickle or maybe almost not, no life coming down, then he's very likely going to die. So in this, in the middle case is where it really makes the big difference. If a person is 
very young and robust, has a super powerful muscle. He's meant to live a long, healthy, unobstructed life. So even if he's a Russia, he'll still continue living. Right? Obviously, we're not talking about if Hashem decides he wants to take him out, you know, to supersede the whole system. That's, that could be an exception. But, uh, but even if he's deemed to be a Russia, that's it. He's not getting any more life out there. But it's okay. He's got battery power. He's got battery power inside. Cut him off from the source. He's got battery power. Okay? So he'll keep on chugging along. Now, obviously... Says the moral, if he's, if there's going to be any chink in his armor, in his either physical health or mazel, it's likely to have severe negative consequences for him. Right? Whereas, on the other hand, if you have a tzaddik, but he's very old and his mazel already gave out, gave out a long time ago, but he's got a great life force, it may not help. It may not help, and, he, and he'll still eventually he'll die. The body is like, uh, imagine you have a vessel that you're pouring in life into it, but the thing is cracked all over, there's holes, it's just pouring out as fast as it comes in and pours out of him. He can't. It's, uh, he, at some point, he's just going to give out. Right? So, but Chachamim are talking about the real life. The real life, the true life is the connection up there. And that is in our hands. Now, physically down here, whether a person continues living or not, that may depend on other factors, his physical health, on his muzzle. But first of all, the only thing in our hands is the spiritual connection that we have, number one. And number two, and number two is that that is really, that's the real life. That's, 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 that's the real kind. Because the other thing is just... Uh, The, the Rishoyim, he's cut off. So, so being cut off, if I tell you, hey, check out this flower. It's been cut off from the ground. It's in a vase. Is it alive or is it dead? Huh? How long has it been? Freshly cut. It's dead. It's, it'll just take it some time until it, it's connected from, it's disconnected from the source of life. Not getting an ounce more life. It's just dying slowly. Just sometimes it takes a little bit longer to die. So some people they're dying. It'll take him fifty years to die, but he's dying. But you, a human being is also dying slowly. Depends. If the only amount of life that he has is what he had when he used to be connected to Hashem, and then now he's been cut off. And now it's going to take him 50 years until he finally he dies. Then you're right. He's dying the entire time. That's why the Gemara Bracha says, Rushoyim afilu nikroyim mesim. Evil people, even while they're alive, they're called dead. Because it's just taking him longer. It's just, you know, the flower, it, it takes time for the flower to die. Right? Whereas if I have, if I have something that's truly connected to the source of life, yeah, so you have a flower. It's connected to so it still has roots, but I go and I cut off the the actual head, the the, the, the blossom, right? So what? The plant is still alive. It'll come back again. Yeah. Since the tzaddik stays connected, so the fact that the body 
withered up and got broken and died, it doesn't change the fact that he is alive. His neshama is connected to Hashem. So, eventually he's going to be at Chiyas Amesim. He's going to be alive again. Okay? So we're saying two points. Say point number one. That Chachamim don't talk about things that are obvious, things that are down here. They talk about roots. They talk about the real wisdom behind everything. And on that level... Right, so they're not interested in telling you you should know an old man is his body is really sickly, and you know, because of that he's likely to die. Right, you, you don't need a chacham to tell you that. Chacham are telling you the deeper thing that you're not going to see, which is if he's a tzaddik, he's going to have more life coming down. If he's a rasha, he's not going to have life coming down, and that make may make a big difference, but not always. If he's a nice, strong Russia, young, he's a flower that was just cut off. It may take him some time to die. Eventually, though, he's going to die. And he's, gonna, and he's already considered dead from now. Whereas a tzaddik, yeah, is, is, first of all, practically, if his body can, there's, there's one person, right? You get two people, they're both in a motorcycle accident, but one of them is a tzaddik, so he's going to be protected. And he's going to walk away, miraculous. Right? Unbelievable. Hashem, Hashem literally, you know, protected him in a, in a, in a force field. Right? If you would have been a Russia, you would have been dead. No questions asked. In, this, in such a situation. Right? So that's number one. And then, so we're saying number one is Chachamim are telling you the factor that's in our hands that makes a difference. Right? That you can swing this way or that way. That's up to us. And number two is they're telling us the real, they're telling us about real life and real death. Not down here. But the real life and the real death, which is are you connected or not? So we're davening for Chaim on Rosh Hashanah the primary thing that we're davening for is a strong connection to Hashem. That's the real Chaim. Now we do add, when, when we talk about Chaim Tovim, a good life, then the Ramchal says now, which is, now we switch, we say not only do we, we want to be connected to Hashem, but we want that it should be betov, it should be with good, it should be the things down here also should be good. Because sometimes you can have a tzaddik, varalo. A tzaddik, but his bad things, he has difficulties. He's connected to Hashem, but he's given challenges. It could also be. So that's when we daven l'chaim tovim. But the chaim that we're davening for, just stam chaim, means a spiritual connection. Spiritual, the real chaim. It's maybe attention, but why... This is definitely a broader question, so you can skip it if you want. But why is it that we try to not have challenges? I mean, if the challenges come, they go stronger. You don't, you don't ask for any challenges. So, fine, but you doubt that they should be taken away? If you receive it, yeah, because tefillah is a part of the avoda. Part of the avoda is, is tefillah, is davening. That's what Hashem wants us to do. Hashem commanded, in fact, according to the Ramban, that's the Mitzvah Midaraisa. If you have difficulties, it's the Mitzvah Midaraisa for davening in, the, in that situation. The person has difficulties because that's how you recognize that Hashem is in charge. Um, did, did the screen go off?
Not sure. Do we the gentleman? Yeah. Okay. Um, that is that's the first part of the shear. The the second part is sifrin is is this concept of of sifrinshel beinunim. When we daven to Hashem to remove the difficulties, that's that's actually a part of the avodah that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to turn to Hashem when you're having difficulties. And, and do it ahead of time. What? We're davening for a shana for a very good year filled with lacks of challenges. We're saying, I hope, Hashem, I hope I, I, don't, I don't have to have any challenges. Right. It's not, a re, it's, not it's being proactive. The, the, the Ramban just said everything is, is reactive. Right. So we're, we're saying it doesn't make a difference. Right. Part of the avodah is being proactive to so ask Hashem not to send you challenges again. Not a sending challenges, period. Yeah. Okay. That's the tovim, yeah. That's what we're saying. That's the tovim. That's why we're not on challenges. Right. That's where we're asking that it should go easy. They should go. It should go. You know, with, with good. Yeah. Okay. So the next next part. This is probably the most relevant. The next one. Sifan Shorushoyim. Although it's incredible and very enlightening and deep. Is not hopefully not as relevant to most of us, but the sefer benunim is extremely relevant, extremely extremely relevant. Like we said, the tzaddikim are nechtavim v'nechtamim la'alter lechaim on Rosh Hashanah, right? So what are we spending a series of doing? Obviously, we all recognize that we are very likely in the category of Bainunim, who are Tuluyim V'omdum, hanging around and waiting from Roshan and Tuluyim Kippur, whether it's going to be written by us, Lechaim or Lemisa, right? And, and uh, the Gemara says, Im Zohu, if they merit, then, then there's going to be Lechaim. If they're not, if they don't marry, then it'll be lemisa. Is chayim and lemisa binary? Meaning, like, are there gradations to chayim and there are gradations to lemisa? Sure, there are. Yeah, but but nonetheless, but nonetheless, but nonetheless, with benunim, there is going to be. You're going to see. Is a good point. We're going to see that to a certain extent, it's binary. I mean, once once you get to one of the two sides of the fence, right? There's definitely going to be right gradations there. But definitely, there's a big middle but ground too. In between Rishayim and 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 Chaim, No, there's no middle ground. If you're so, he's a benin. He's got ten days. If he merits, he'll be written in Lachaim. If he doesn't merit, he'll be written in Lemisa. Now, there's gradations of Chaim. And there may be gradations of Misa. But they start next But there's a, there's a very sharp, very sharp line. And that's what we're trying to figure out. What is this line? What does it mean? 
What does it mean to be zo that, that to be zocha? What is this business to be zocha? If he merits, if he merits, it is bainani. If he merits, then he is written in lechaim. If he doesn't merit, then he is written in lemisa. So what does that mean? Does it mean if he does mitzvahs, he does a whole bunch of mitzvahs on Rosh Hashanah? So that's that's what it means. If he zolcha means if he manages to do more mitzvahs than, than a virus. A sesame shoe, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about doing a sesame shoe. So, the Mephoshim understand it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean to do more mitzvahs. And, and the simple answer, L'Choyra, is because it's already the next year. After Rosh Hashanah, it's already the new year. Any mitzvahs that you do now are great, but they're going to count for you for next year. For next Rosh Hashanah, they're going to count these right. mitzvahs. No, no other what? Let's go back and the, uh, the bad things that I've done in the past. Oh, so, so, so Noah is proposing that what it means is tshuva. It means tshuva, it means repentance. If he goes back and he does tshuva and he changes his averus and they become schuyos, then he becomes a tzaddik. Until now, he was a benini. If he manages to change his category, now he becomes a tzaddik, so then he'll be written in l'chaim. Right? I think that's a simple way of understanding it. Problem, I have two problems. The main problem with that is that we learned that there's a safer of benenim. There's a separate safer called the safer of benenim. And the Moral and Der Chaim, Perak Mishnah Aleph, says explicitly that some people are written in the Sefer of Tzadikim, some people are written in the Sefer of Rosham, and some people are written in the Sefer Bainanim. I mean, Sefer Bainanim is not just an empty threat. I have this book, you know, that no one has ever written into, because eventually they're all written in, either into the book of Tzadikim or into the book of Rosham. For 10 days they're written in there. Right. So, so the Moral is Mashmah, not like that. There is a big Kiddush to say that there's an entire book that exists for 10 days. Right? And the morale is much more that that's not the case. The, 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 the Pashtas is that they stay there. We're, not, we're, never, we're never told that they moved anywhere. What we're told is that if you're in the safer of Tzadikim, you automatically get filled in. Everyone in the safer of Tzadikim is written in L'chaim. Everyone in the safer of Rishoyim is written in Lemisa. And the people who are the Bainanim, if they're Zoha, then they're written in L'chaim. It doesn't say they get moved over to a different book. It says they're written in Lechaim. And if they're and if they're not Zohar, then they're written in Lamisa. Does being written in Lamisa mean for that year they die that year, or does it mean like you said, cut off and they die slowly eventually? Because there are plenty of Rishayim that don't die that same year. That's exactly what we spoke about. Um, so, so for, also it doesn't say if he does tshuva. It says if he's Zohar. And finally, like we've said, what's the source that there's a safer pain in them? It's very interesting. What's the source? The source is that it says, that David HaMelech says, Ve'im tzadikim al Let these evil people who are, you know, pursuing me and ruining my life, etc. Let them not be written with tzadikim. So we learned safer tzadikim from the word Chaim earlier. 
Misefer Yimachu Misefer Achaim. That's talking about Sefer Tzadikim Achaim. And Ve'im Tzadikim Aika Sevu. Isn't that the same thing? He says no. We learned in the Derech Hashem. He says in uh, in Chelak Aleph, Perak Hay owes base that Hashem's mercy made such a thing that even if a person is not a tzaddik, but he can make it into Olam Haba by having an association with a tzaddik, by having a closeness with a tzaddik, by in some way or another also being being schlepped along. He's with the tzaddik. He's with the, So that's that's why this posik the Dovda Malach is saying is alluding to Sefer of Benin because it says Ve'im Tzadikim Alikasevu. First of all, I asked you earlier, please don't let them be written into the Book of Chaim, but in the, into the Book of Tzadikim. But in addition to that, I'm asking you that don't even let them be with the Tzadikim, meaning Benin. You know, the guy that comes along, the the the, the second, the, what's it called, the second fiddle? Yeah, I don't even be let them be the second fiddle. Don't even let them be schlepped along together with the Tzadikim. I want them Yimachumi Sefer. I want them erased. I want them in the Sefer of Roshoyim. That's what David is asking. So the point is that the Sefer Benum is a very interesting Sefer. It's a fascinating Sefer. Yeah? It's a Sefer that is not the Sefer of Tzadikim. It's not the Sefer of Roshoyim. It's this in-between thing where it's not clear if he's going to be Lechaim or he's going to be Lemis. And there's something that can be done, not mitzvahs, and not even tshuva, in its simple understanding of the word, meaning where you take tshuva, what I mean is, where you take an action, and you repent, an avera, and you repent on that avera, and you have regret over it, and you turn it into a mitzvah, not that either. But something that he can do, that he'll be zoha lechaim, im tzadikim, not that he's going to become a tzadik. He's not a tzadik. If you could become a tzaddik, call a kavod. Great, go for it, right? But even if he doesn't become a tzaddik, even if he stays a benani, but if but he could be a benani who is zocha, to be written in with the tzaddikim, which means he'll also be written in lechaim. The question is, what is it? Clarify the verification about mitzvah stuff. Mitzvah is doing a mitzvah changes the person spiritually, right? Right. It connects them to Hashem. Yes. So uh, how is that not helping them become more? Because after Rosh Hashanah, right? Remember, we say it's after Rosh Hashanah. But it's it's not changing them at that moment. But it's too late already. Remember, the judgment has already been passed on Rosh Hashanah. This is this is a really weird time period then. Oh yeah. It's an appeal. Nothing's happening. It's an appeal. Time. It's like an appeal court, an appellate court, right? Yom Kippur is an appellate. Yom Kippur is an appellate court. You can't bring in new thing in appeal. Can you bring in new evidence? No. I understand the. Hey, hey, did you raise it? Listen, in appeal, you're not allowed to bring in new evidence. You're not allowed to say, you know what? Since then, I've given in a million dollars in charity. So you see what a good guy. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not admissible, right? We want to know. What was the case up until that judgment? Now, you could tell me to reverse that judgment, but only from what was. So it's changing a person. Even whatever change is occurring is only going to merit towards the coming year. Right. Okay. 
Unless it's tshuva. Unless it's tshuva. That's a simple way of understanding. If you do tshuva, if you do if you do the real tshuva, where you literally where you take an avera and you diminish it, either you knock down a zodon, a, a willful transgression, down to a shogig. If you do tshuva mihira. Or if you do tshuva mi'ava, you can literally transform it to a, to a mitzvah, actually. Right? You can fundamentally change your status. You can go from being a bainan to being a tzaddik. You go from... Right? You're a onish? Hmm? You're a onish? Even even U.S. Romans, even U.S. Romans, not only U.S. Romans, but even U.S. Romans is still not tshuva miyahava, which will transform it to a schus. The only thing to transform it to a schus is tshuva miyahava, but that's not for now. Separate discussion. So, so the point is, but there's something else. So again, if that would be the case, you'd be a tzaddik. But we want to know what if he stays a bainan? What if he stays a bainan? Then what happens? How, what every bainani during those days either does tshuva, or I mean there are some that learn like that. that if during a session tshuva, you didn't do tshuva, then that's an avera, and then you actually fall into the bad pile. But but we're going to see something very interesting. We're going to see something very interesting. The, but the question is, how, how can people be in this? What is how, What does it mean im if they merit? It's too vague, it's not clear what it means, and sounds like, like we said, unless the Sefer Bainan is cleaned out by the end of it, and everyone falls into one of the other two piles, right, which is not much more than the Maral, and frankly, it's a Chiddush to say such a thing, there's three forums that exist, and you tell me that the Sefer Bainan is really kind of emptied out by the end of it, the Gemara never told us that, right? So, so what does it mean in Zohu? So, Sefer Tanya, Perik Zayin. I knew I was going to get that a little bit. It's okay, it's uh, one, one of our, one of the swarm in our basement. Yeah. So, he explains that there's a fundamental difference between a person who does, let's say, eat something that's not kosher, does an actual avera, versus a person who eats things that are rishus. He eats kosher food, but he's not eating it l'shem shemayim. If you eat the food l'shem shemayim, which means that you need that energy to be able to serve Hashem, and the food's kosher, of course, and you intend while you're eating it that this should be to allow you to serve Hashem, then it's a mitzvah. That's what the Hashem says. Right? But if it's missing that kavana, even if you have all the other requirements, it's kosher food, and we're not talking about a person who's eating from taifa. But even if a person is genuinely hungry and he needs it, but as long as he doesn't have that correct intention, it doesn't become a mitzvah. So it just stays a double shus. Something that you're allowed to do. It's not an avera, but also not a mitzvah. It's not an avera, but it's not a mitzvah. So what is it? It's a it's a Benin. Benin is is, is rishos. Yeah. It's a nishtahein nishtaher. Yeah? So what happens? So he says that what happens is that this action, at the time he's doing it, literally falls into the grips of the deep clippers, the same ones, the same forces of evil that are involved when, when he's doing an avera. When a person is eating food or having any, any other enjoyment or partaking in any way from the physical world, which is not L'Shem Shemaim, at the time that he's doing it, 
those energies of his soul that are involved in this fall into the grips of the klipas, of the forces of evil. Because he's not currently, he's currently engrossed in his, in his hamburger and he's not thinking at all about Hashem. What? He, the extreme of that is like the Ramban says in the Volbush, uh, a novel Bershah's Torah. A disgusting person with the permission of Torah. Yeah. If he overindulges, etc. Right. But even without that. Not none of there, anyway. But even without that. Even without that. But, he says, the big difference is that unlike an Avera, even when you're done with it, it stays... What he says, the reason why it's called a Dover Asr, food that's forbidden or a relationship that's forbidden to a person, is Asr literally means tied up. So we understand it means tied up, it means I'm not allowed to take it. No, it means tied up that those parts of your soul that get involved with doing that Avera, they stay tied down in the clutches of evil indefinitely. Unless a person does Chuvah Mi'ahava. Chuvah Mi'ahava. Okay? But, if a person participated in a... He ate something that was kosher, but he ate it for taiva, or he didn't do it l'shem shemayim. So at the time, it does fall into the groups of the Yitzhahara. But then once he's done, and I'll read to you his language, once a person is done doing that... Once he's done eating that food, that's only lefisha. That only happens for the moment while he's involved. Add a share until yasher yeshuv ha'adam, until a man comes back, vayagzer la'avodas Hashem, and he returns to serving Hashem. And at that point, his those forces of the soul that were involved in this can leave and go back up. And not, because it wasn't a Dover Usser, it wasn't tied down. Da- so his soul doesn't get tied down there. It's able to go back up. He says, whereas, if you, if he continues, says, but if you did a Dover Usser, then the only way it's going to come back is Michuva Me'ahava. So what does it mean here if he comes back? It means clearly not Shuvimiyah. So he says, if he comes back to Avodah Hashem, you don't have to do repentance on that action of having eaten that one meal that was not L'Shem Shemaim. It wasn't an evil act that you did. So you don't have to do Shuvah on that act. What you have to do is what's called a Tnuas Shuvah. A general, a general returning to Hashem. Tnuah, movement. You, you need to move back to Hashem. If a person did an Avera, you have to look at this Avera, you have to regret over it, you have to make a Kabbalah Asr, you have to do a Vidui, you have to repair this action. Here the action itself wasn't essentially evil, but what happened is you lost sight of what life is all about. So now a person has to come back to serving Hashem. And when he does that, he's back. Can you specify what that means? Realign his priorities in life. And that's a big difference. I mean, if a person did an Avera, then, then these are the days where we need to be actually doing tshuva on that Avera. Thinking about that Avera, regretting over that Avera, making an absolute um, decision never to repeat that Avera again. Okay, I have to fix that action. But if I 
ate food that wasn't for the sake of heaven, if I enjoyed things that was not to see the greatness of Hashem in the world or, or to see His kindness to me or whatever it is, if I, if I got engrossed in the physical world and forgot about Hashem, then all I need to do is to realign myself, to come back to looking at the world the right way and I've managed to ascend out of it. So the Bainonim, seemingly, that we're talking about, are these people. He didn't do Averas, and, he, and it's not, also not mitzvahs. It's these middle actions that really are neither. They're these par of actions. But the par of actions really take your focus off of Hashem. So now if you're Zohar, if you're married, not that you have to do Tshuva, it's a different type of tshuva. Is what is the Rishonim talk about tshuva? They, it could be that according to the Tanya, they don't. They don't mean. I want to clarify. Tanya is not talking about our Gemara, right? This is the connection that we're making. But according to this, it would be that the, the, the Rabbeinu Yonah who talks about doing tshuva, he doesn't mean that you have to do tshuva on the particular actions because he's a benoni. Right? Of course, if he has a virus, he should do tshuva on those. But then maybe he'll become a tzaddik. That's a different discussion. But even if he doesn't, and he stays a benoni, but and he's got some issues, he's got some, but he has a lot of actions that are just parv, that are just nothing. He spends so much of his life just disconnected. What's going to happen with all those moments? Answers you have to come back from that. Not that you have to do tshuva on those actions. Each particular action was not essentially evil. Nothing. You didn't do anything bad. But while you were in it, you were disconnected from Hashem. So you have to realign yourself. You have to set your priorities straight. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Rosh Hashanah says you made tshuva. Recognizing Hashem is the king in the world. Understanding what life is really about. And if you zoha that you be written in Lechaim as a Beinuni, not as a Tzaddik. Is a Tzaddik great? Well, great, as a Tzaddik, he's over there in that book. We're talking about a Beinuni. But he could be written in Im Tzaddikim. He could be written in, like David Amal says, Im Tzaddikim Al Yikasevu. Those Roshoyim, don't let them be even written together with the Tzaddikim. Don't let them be the second fiddle to the Tzaddikim either. How's a person a second fiddle to a tzaddik? It means he may not be a tzaddik, but he's got his priorities straight. Again, we're talking about Rishoyim who's got his priorities straight. A Russian definitely does not have his priorities straight. We're talking about a person who does mitzvahs, but he spends a, a, a significant portion of his life not serving Hashem. And, and if he stays with that, he's going to be written in Lemis. He's going to be disconnected from Hashem. So what does he need to do? He needs to realign himself. He needs to come back to serving Hashem. That's all. Like the Tanya said, come back and serve Hashem. And if you come back and you serve Hashem, then you can. Then, you, then he'll be written in with the tzaddikim. Means he'll stay in the safe abandonment, but next to his name will be written lechaim, which means he will get a connection. Not the same connection the tzaddikim are getting. But a connection. That's what the Tanya, say. Tanya tells us. That even though you did all those actions, if you come back to Hashem, 
that all those things, because they weren't Averis, they're not Usser, it's not the, the, those Tunos and Efesh that were used are tied up in the grips of the, of, of, of the Yitzhahara, right? So they could go back up. All you have to do is just to return to Hashem. You say, I want to dedicate this, for example, let's say a person made money. Or a person ate and he gained strength, or he went to the gym and he gained muscles, all these things. Now he says, you know what? I want to serve Hashem. You can serve Hashem with those things, right? You can serve Hashem with that money, you can serve Hashem with that energy, you can serve Hashem with those muscles, right? So these things are being channeled to Hashem, and it's okay because you didn't get them through a Dover Usher. It's not that there would be a problem using them to serve Hashem. They should have been used to serve Hashem in the first place. Just when he was eating it, it could be even as fast as a minute later. Why he's eating it, he's not thinking about Hashem. After he finishes eating it, so it's not a mitzvah anymore. It, it could have been a mitzvah, he lost that. It's not a mitzvah anymore. When he finishes eating though, if he says, oh, why don't I think that I should be eating this for... I want to use this to learn Torah. I want to use this to go do a, a, a mitzvah of Gmilus Kasadim, a, a kind act. I want to use this to daven. If he does that, then those energies from that hamburger that he ate will be used towards those mitzvahs, right? It will retroactively have a mitzvah effect. Not, no, the achila itself will never become a mitzvah. The actual eating itself will never become a mitzvah. But the, but the energy will be used towards, towards the Vodas Hashem. So it gets to go up and out from the grips of, of, the, of the Sitra Achra, of the Yitzhahara. That, that's what it means? Yeah. Is that the... the Products of the. It used to be this thing used to be distracting him from Hashem while he was eating the hamburger. He was looking into the hamburger and forgot about Hashem, and now he's going to use the energy in the hamburger to serve Hashem. That's called it is zochah, meaning he gives a merit to that action and to all of those actions. A who is zochah, it means he managed to reconnect all those actions, not the independent little actions, but he says, I'm a person that I'm, gonna, that I'm resolved and committed to serving Hashem. Therefore, all those actions go up with him. Ima Tzadikim means a similar judgment like the Tzadikim have. Im, like second fiddle, meaning they have L'chaim. you say L'chaim? What? Why doesn't you say L'chaim? Because then you understand as if exactly to tell you this. The safer of Tzadikim is alluded by the word Chaim. Chaim, true life, 100%. On a, I don't need, it doesn't need any qualifiers, just life. That's a safer Tzadikim. Right. Safer Bainanim is Im Tzadikim. It's something that's connected to that. It's a life which is connected to that life. It, it, they, you know, like we were speaking about in the beginning, that the Tzadikim have these tremendous pipes of life gushing down, pouring down at them. Yeah. The them have these little thin channels that kind of plug in and, and, and also get something from there. Also. It's, it's a perspective shift. I mean, the, 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 their perspective shift, their perspective shift is what taps them in as a, a side route to the time. But when they actually then in the future say, I'm That's different. That's different. If, if he's going to become a tzaddik, that's different. He becomes a tzaddik, so good for him. talking about a tzaddik in a particular action. Say, I say, for, for uh, you have a commitment to both. The, what we're saying is if a person returns to Avodos Hashem if he rededicates himself to Avodos Hashem then he'll be Zohar to also get life 
it will not be the same as the life that Satikim had, but he will also get light. He will also be connected to Hashem. Let's, um, we, have, we have a few more minutes. Let's do the last one. Okay, this is mind-blowing. We, we pointed out that the Sefer, the third Sefer, the Sefer of Rushoyim, is alluded to in a very strange, a very strange way, right? Is it is it the Sefer Tzadikim wasn't? So Sefer Tzadikim just says life. That's all. It just says absolute life. Sefer of Benim says imat Tzadikim. Means not the absolute life, but something which is associated with that which the Tzadikim have. The Sefer of Rushoyim is alluded to by. Yimochu Yimochu Let them be erased from the Sefer Yimochu Sefer Or Moshe Rabbeinu says Macheni no What kind of a Sefer is that? It's a Sefer of Erasure? That's a, that's a non-Sefer No, it's a Erasure from existence One second What is it? What does it mean to be a safer? A safer is a place where things are written in. We're telling you a safer? How do I know a safer? Because it talks about erasing. It's a safer of erasure. The, the Ramchal and Dastunu says over and over that every event anything that happens in this world has to be a revelation of Hashem's oneness a revelation, a revelation of Hashem's greatness it can't be any other way it's very simple because Hashem's desire Hashem's rotson is that this should be revealed which means if anything were to be in somehow not that then it couldn't exist the only thing that exists is what Hashem wants to exist so if anything exists, it's because it's a fulfillment of Hashem's rotsam, of Hashem's desire. So even the evil is also a, a fulfillment of Hashem's desire. How so? Because it gives us challenge, and therefore we, we have a free will, and we overcome it. And through that, it is also a fulfillment of Hashem's rotsam, because Hashem wants that there should be a greater manifestation of, of, of His oneness. Not just... Not just um, that there's some good things that kind of follow Hashem, but that even things that seem to be, to oppose Hashem, things that seem to have so much power and to be against Hashem, really have no independent power, and everything that they do will be, will show you exactly the opposite, how they never stood a chance, and how really it was always Hashem was in control. That's what it means, Gilu Yehudu is Baruch. In the end game, it's going to be revealed that every single thing, whether it be a mitzvah that a tzaddik did, or an avera that a rasha did, they will both reveal the same exact thing, that Hashem is in charge. The Leshem elaborates on this point a lot, in Sefer HaDamos Hashar, that so much so, that it's not even so clear, so what is the big difference between a tzaddik and a rasha? If in the end of the day they both did the same exact thing, they both revealed Hashem's greatness. That's true, but who cares? They both did the same thing. They should they should get the same reward. No, but no. 
Yeah? Why not? So, so, seemingly, so he says that that's what the Dorshi Rishimus means. The Dorshi Rishimus in Mesechus Sanhedrin, they come in the Baraisa and they argue, they say, and not like the Tanakama and the Mishnahis that hoots from this one and that one and that one and that one. But everybody, everybody's going to be the next world. Every single year is going to be the next world. Just that the Rishoyim are going to be in there in a fundamentally different way. Meaning to say that Tzadikim are going to be there in a, in a straightforward way. They were the direct vehicle for the revelation of Hashem. So they're going to be in Olam Abba. In a direct way. The Rishoyim are going to be in Olam Abba as an Afar Shetach Esraglei Tzadikim. They're going to be the, the, the dust upon which the feet of the Tzadikim are trampling. Which means to say that everything that this Russia did or stood for or whatever will forever be recorded as the stupidest thing anybody ever thought of. You thought you're going to go against Hashem? You thought you're going to go do an event? You thought Hashem's not watching? Right? That in itself, with, with the, obviously, with the punishment and the suffering that's going to come with it, will be a revelation of Hashem's oneness. And that's a safer of Mechika. It's a safer of erasure. Meaning to say, what's erasure mean? It means, this is a mistake. This is a non-existence. This is, this is completely erroneous. The Rishoyim are writing, just like the Tzadikim are writing, a whole big safer, revealing Hashem's greatness and Hashem's oneness. The Rishoyim are also writing one. What not to do? What not to do? Of all the possible things that you think you could get away, get around Hashem, and how ultimately it's all going to be proven to be nonsense. So, Yimachum is safer. It's a safer of Mechika. It's a safer of erasing. It's a safer of non-truth. Erasure. Let them be erased. Rishoyim are constantly being erased. It's like a process of being erased. Hmm. That is the that's the fundamental difference between Tzadikim and Rishoyim. I mean, the Leshem says that the difference is, is very little. They're both showing the same exact thing. It's, it's just a mirror image. They're both revealing the same thing. One is revealing it in a positive way and the other one is revealing it in a negative way. One is revealing it through writing, and the other is revealing it through being erased. Forever and ever, for all eternity. So do they have a chilek in all of Just utter embarrassment forever. Yeah. So it's Gehenna. Well, at least they get to be aware, they, they do get to be aware of Hashem's perfection. They're not going through, they're not roasting toasty bro. Right, yeah, they, 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 uh, they do get to come out of Gehenna and they, and they get to have an association, but forever, I mean, all of our boys is a manifestation of Hashem's greatness, of Hashem's oneness. And that manifestation, they will also have a portion in it. Their portion will be that through them it was revealed what a mistake it is to think that there's anything but Hashem. So that's why it's a safer of Mechika. So we learned today, what does it mean, Tzadikim get Chaim? What are we asking for, for Chaim? It means connection to Hashem. We learned, what does it mean, Safer Bainunim, and how there's Zoha? It means these are people that are doing actions that are just kind of... Davarushus, just uh, a nothing, not a mitzvah, not an avera, and what it means to merit, which means to reconnect that back to Hashem by realigning our 
priorities, by accepting Hashem as our King, by coming back to Hashem and making our lives about that, then the Benunis also merits to life, also, not the same life as the Tzaddik, but also, and and the Rishoyim are Yimohu, that's an allusion to the Sefer Rishoyim, because these people will also reveal Hashem's oneness, but not in a way that any of us hope to do. So erasure is not erasure of existence. Erasure is 